Hi listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. On November 9, 1986, at around 10.30 p.m., Kate Moyer was hitchhiking home after a night of drinking and hanging out with friends in the Sterling Highway in Perth, Australia. This is the story of Kate Moyer and how she escaped Australia's worst serial killer couple, David and Catherine Burney. It was a warm spring night on November 9th, 1986, when 17-year-old Kate was hitchhiking home after drinking at a pub with friends. So on that night, Kate decided to decline a ride home from friends because she had been drinking. And since she was pretty intoxicated, she figured that she would walk home. You know, I'll just sober up during my walk home. But it was during this walk that she would encounter what she thought was a pretty harmless looking couple. It has been said that David and Catherine would often drive around looking for their victims. And Catherine was the one that would pick the victims out. And when she saw something that she liked, she would say to David, I have the munchies. Oh, that's weird. Right. If he liked what he saw, he would reply back, I have the munchies too. That's so weird. It's like normalizing (laughs) something really creepy and Mm -hmm. horrific that's about to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what happened when Catherine saw Kate walking along the highway. David and Catherine pull up next to Kate and ask her if she needed a ride home. Kate thought that they looked pretty harmless and she would accept the ride. But as soon as Kate gets into the car, she notices something very odd. She notices that there's no door handles inside of the car. And there's no handles for the windows either. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So if that was you, mm-hmm. what would you do? Run. No. How? You're stuck. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's already too late. You're right uh, Yeah, I think it's already too late, which is why, like, I don't think she even had time to process what was going on or time to panic until it was way too late. Yeah, that's terrifying. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, you, you think about first you decided not to take a ride from your friends. Mm-hmm. Then you see... Yeah, because she was just trying to sober up. Right. But then why why even bother with these strangers coming up to you with... I mean, I can see that. Ride? I can see that too. <laughs> I mean, I can see that too where it's just like, you know, I start walking and I'm like, you know... Regret? Sh- yeah. Like that regret. <laughs> like, darn it. I should have taken that ride. And it's like, here come some strangers. And I'm sure she didn't think anything of it. And unfortunately, you know, again, that's something that's wrong about society. Like, we always think, oh, it's a couple, you know, oh, they have a car seat in the back seat. Like, they're harmless. But that's just all a disguise. You know, that doesn't mean that they're not horrible people. Yeah. You know, and I think that's obviously, that was probably her downfall, you know. It's her thinking, oh, it's a couple. What can happen? Rather than if it would have just been him, where it's like, oh, it's some creepy guy asking me to get oh, in his no car. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just like how I mentioned before, 
before Kate has any time to process or even panic, the man grabs her by her hair, pulls her head to the front of the car, and he takes out a knife from his Ugg boot and he holds the knife up to her throat. He tells her to shut up and be quiet. David hands the knife over to Catherine and Catherine then continues to hold the knife up to Kate's throat as David drives to a deserted spot where they end up binding her hands and feet with cable ties. And they end up throwing a blanket over her so that Kate can't see in what direction they're going. This is not the first time they've done this. Yeah, no. Because everything was coordinated. Mm -hmm. They were kind of on point as to what they were yeah. doing. Munchies. But what area were they all in the same area when they would do this or no i mean i don't know like in in this instance they just um i read that they drove to a deserted spot where you know somewhere where they wouldn't be noticed and they would have enough time to bind her hands and feet mm -hmm. um you know because they also were worried because obviously they were going to take her back home to their place so but they right. didn't want her to be able to identify the area or you know anything like that so they just drove to a deserted spot i don't think that it was like a somewhere too far away from their house it was just like a a street that they knew like oh not a lot of cars go by or yeah, we won't be noticed here yeah noticeable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as davis starts to drive kate asks if they're going to kill her when she gets a chilling response back of if you're good we'll only rape you yeah i know it's pretty disgusting That's really bad, yeah. mm -hmm. david and Catherine take her to their home at three more house street and upon arriving at the home kate is questioned about who she was and she was forced to take a shower smoke pot and watch movies and I also read in an article where they interviewed Kate that she also remembers being forced to dance to the Dire Straits song Romeo and Juliet in front of David and Catherine, which Jose, I don't know if you've heard this song, but it's actually a really good song. But now like it, that song has been written for me. Like, <laughs> you know, like now it's like. Now you're relating to this yeah. disturbing couple. Yeah. <laughs> Like, now whenever I hear it, it's like, that's all I'm going to think about. Yeah. So it's like, okay, great, thanks. So then just little after midnight, David rapes Kate. And Catherine is just sitting there taking notes. Taking notes of what? I guess how you're supposed to do it. I mean, I don't know. Like, she's just sitting there taking notes. It's so disturbing. It's very bizarre. Right. Trouble. So after raping her, she's forced to sit down and write goodbye letters to her loved ones. Then she's made to take a shower again. And after showering, she's then moved to the master bedroom where she is raped again. And after the second rape, David handcuffs her foot to his. And then he gives her sleeping pills and tells her to go to sleep. But luckily, Kate was smart. You know what she did? No, what did she do? So she ends up not swallowing the pills. And instead, she hides the pills under her tongue. And when she gets the opportunity, 
without being noticed, she places the pills under the mattress. Wow, that's really brave. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I to mean, be able I, to do that while mm-hmm. you're handcuffed right next to this guy. Yeah, not only that, not just any guy. The guy has just literally raped you twice mm-hmm. in the last few hours. Yeah. And the wife is like of no help because I think knowing me as a, as a woman, I think I would have looked to the other woman to kind of like sympathize with me or help me. Like but help it's me out. right. But no, Catherine is just sitting there taking notes, you know. Yeah. So the next morning, David and Catherine make Kate call her parents to let them know that she had gotten really drunk the previous night. And that's why she hadn't been home. But didn't you say they made her write goodbye letters too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was what was the purpose? Well, I so I think that the reason why they're now making her call her parents the next morning, I'm assuming so that the parents don't raise that red flag to cops, you know, by calling and saying, missing. Yeah, hey, our daughter's missing. She never came home last night. I think the reason for it was Hey, you know what? Call your parents. Tell them you got drunk. You're fine. You'll be home later. That way, her parents would hear from her and think, "Oh, everything's fine." You yeah, know, buy her buy them another twenty four hours. Right. So before Kate makes the phone call to her parents, she's told by David that if she in any way tries to tell them what's really going on, or if in any way she tries to tip them off. That he will kill her, just like they killed the others. Others? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they had killed a total of four other girls. The first victim was 22-year-old Mary Frances Nielsen. The second victim was 15-year-old Susanna Candy. 15? 15. <sighs> and then third victim, 31-year-old Nolene Patterson. And get this, with the third victim, Nolene, it said that Catherine did not like Nolene from the very beginning because she had noticed that David really liked Nolene. And eventually, Catherine would get jealous and she would hold a knife to her own throat and tell David that if he didn't kill Nolene, that Catherine would commit suicide. So eventually, David would kill Nolene. Then the fourth victim was 21-year-old Denise Brown. This couple sounds just so... Happy? Insane. Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely insane. <laughs> right. They were, I mean, just out of this world. Like I said, for me, I mean, if, if I would have been abducted by a couple, I know I, my strategy would have probably been to, you know, let me try and get the wife on my side. Let me try to get her to sympathize with me like woman to woman, you know. But it seems like in this case with this couple, it was just like they were both just so crazy and out of their minds that it's just, it, yeah, it, it just seems like there was just no hope there, you know. So I wonder, you know, when they said, oh, if you're lucky, we'll just rape you. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that never really was. I think it was just one of those like taunting moments, you know. Yeah. So going back to the phone call to the parents, mm-hmm. what do you think you would have done? Do you think you would have followed along with what he's saying? Or would you try to somehow... Hell no. What? What would you do? Dad! 
help me. You know, I think so too, right? I mean, yeah, kind of just, I, I mean, think. Oh, I, I for sure. Like, Dad, I don't know. This is where it's like, I think it's so important to have like that code word with your family or even your friends of like, if like something. If you're in a bad spot. Yeah, like, somewhere. you know, hey, Dad, monkey. <laughs> and then it's like, my dad would know, like, just that monkey. But how do they know, how, how would he know where you're at, though? He wouldn't, but at least that way, I don't know, maybe call the police and say, hey, my daughter has been kidnapped. How do you know? She said monkey to me. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know something, but it's like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Knowing me, I know I probably would be like, dad, help me. I've been kidnapped. And like, I would have started like yelling, I mean, you bring which a good probably point. would have made it worse for the parents because it's like, to your point, like, well, how do you know where they're, where your daughter's at? And, you know, but. Yeah, and then back then, nineteen eighty six, right? Mm -hmm. So, so there's technology to mm -hmm. track or find mm -hmm. or anything like that. So, very different. But I mm -hmm. mean, you bring a good point. Well, and then who knows too? Like back in the eighties, like with missing people's cases, I almost feel like there wasn't that much, that much like investigation into them. You know, I feel like like I just feel like oh, it was the missing person, and most of the times, especially when they were like seventeen, eighteen. Cops probably would have ruled it out as, oh, it's just a runaway. Runaway. Mm -hmm. No, take it seriously. Right. Time just, I mean, yeah, just like how in the stories we've done before, like with Elijah. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, where it's like, oh, well, he was over the age of 18, so there's nothing we can do. You know, I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard. But I mean, it is in Australia, so I don't know. Australia, maybe. Maybe it's a bit different. But yeah. I don't know about it. But bring a point about, Maybe it's something good idea to plan something out with your family as to yeah, like have that code of, word right. It's some type of game plan. I mean, it sounds crazy to think about that. That's not something you think of normally, but it could save your life. It really could. Yeah, this coming from somebody that says that he doesn't carry his ID. Yeah, I don't have it on me right now, actually. Yeah, see. Mm-hmm. Some things just don't change. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that you're finally taking it seriously. But yeah, you know, it's not a bad idea to come up with like some sort of like code word of if you're a teenage daughter or son for that matter, if they're ever in any type of danger, like you just call and you say this word and I know something's wrong, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's now Monday morning and... David is off to work, which gives Kate that little bit of hope of escaping. And when someone comes and knocks at the door, that's when she sees her opportunity. When Catherine left the room to go see who was at the door, she failed to re-secure Kate's chains. And that's when Kate takes the opportunity to break the lock in the bedroom window. And she jumps out the window which she then falls out of the window landing into the driveway and as soon as she lands in the driveway she runs and she runs to the nearest house but no one answers the door oh she God. then tries three more houses but no one is home. Three houses. Three I mean, houses. Like, can you imagine? That? You're probably hysterical. You're like in tears. Like, I finally got away. And you're like trying to get help. And it's like, nobody's home. Like, yeah. every door. Hysterical in fear, trying mm. to get away from this whole situation. Right. There's nobody there. Yeah. So, in the article I read, it said that Kate was only wearing leggings and a singlet. Right, what's singlet? Yeah. So, I, I know. I had to Google up. Singlet, I guess it's either 
it, it said that it was either a sleeveless tight fitted undershirt or like an athletic type of shirt okay. so uh, what i'm trying to get at it's like she's only wearing this anybody would have seen her i'm sure they would have realized like this lady's in distress you know something's yeah. wrong right so only wearing leggings and this sleeveless shirt kate runs into a shop where there's a man a man standing outside of it and she runs into the shop hysterical and she's pleading with him to please please help her and she tells him that she's been raped and she she's already thinking you know that Catherine's gonna come in and say that you know that's her mom and they just got into a fight that's her daughter like nothing to see here you know so she warns the man like if a woman shows up saying that she has gotten into a fight and i'm her daughter like please don't believe her they've raped me they've kidnapped me she just you know lets him know and the man ends up taking kate to the police station and that's where kate ends up telling local police about david and Catherine bernie and the horrible things that they have done to her. So Kate described David as having a abnormal long hook nose and Catherine as a short woman with high cheekbones and a permanent frown on her face. A permanent frown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the pictures I sent you of them too, which is... You know, pretty accurate description of both of them. <laughs> and again, we'll post all of our pictures on to our website and our Instagram page so that our listeners can see it. But when police arrive at the Morehouse Street, no one's home. So the police wait for someone to arrive. When Catherine arrives home, they end up arresting her. And then she ends up telling police officers where they can find David and they end up arresting David at his place of work. Once they're both arrested, they question Catherine and David separately, but they aren't giving any information. So David starts talking, and at first he claimed that Kate had willingly gone to their house, and once she was there, she smoked pot with them, and then she willingly had sex with him. Hmm. But police officers, obviously, they they weren't buying the story. So they continue to question both Catherine and David. And eventually, David ends up confessing to the four other murders. He confessed to them? Mm-hmm. So once Catherine is made aware of David's confession, then the couple ends up taking the police to the locations where they had buried the bodies of the four victims. And remember how I told you that Catherine didn't like that one victim because she felt that David was starting to like her a little too much? Right. Well, I read in an article that David had been the one initially like pointing out where each body was buried. But then when it came to pointing out where Nolene was buried, it said that Catherine was eager to point out where she was and that when she did she even spit on her grave wow like really? she oh she was like she was not having it she's so very bitter about oh that. yeah so david and Catherine bernie were charged with four counts of murder 
two counts of aggravated sexual assault on 17-year-old Kate and one count of deprivation of liberty. And in 2005, David Bernie ended up committing suicide in his jail cell. And because no one claimed his body, he's buried in a unmarked grave. And in 2009, per the request of the victim's families, Western Australian Attorney General Christian Porter determined that Catherine would stay in prison for life. And because of that decision, this makes Catherine the third Australian woman to have her papers marked as never to be released. Wow. Yeah. I want to know what the other two were. I know, right? <laughs> so, okay, but... I know we haven't had one of these in a while, but I have a fun fact for you. Okay, what do you got? So when I was doing my research for this story, I found that as of February 7th, 2020, you can now rent David and Catherine Bernie's home. So if you want to look at pictures of the house... And the house is actually pretty nice. You always say that about these no. creepy houses. No, 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 no. This house... like. Obviously, like, it's all modern looking. Like, I, it's it just, it's nice. And just to think that something, like, so awful happened inside of this house. Like, it's crazy. But, you know, and again, and I don't know. Okay, so there's also a movie called um, Hounds of Love. Which is supposedly, it's not based on a true story. But it's kind of loosely based on them. It's loosely based on this? Yeah. So, it just... It's so weird because when you watch the movie and then you see the pictures of the actual house, like to to see like, oh, my God, that's the kitchen. That's where, you know, she threatened him to commit suicide, supposedly in the movie or whatever. But it's like such a nice kitchen. It's like, oh, my God. And then like the even the master bedroom, like it's just it's it's crazy to see. But if you guys want to look at pictures, obviously, we'll post the link to or if you want to rent the house, which I don't know if I would go that far. But, yeah, anyway, so that's the fun fact. I know we haven't had one in a while, but I thought it was pretty interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and as promised, every week we like to bring you an open case from the San Diego Crime Stoppers. And in this week, we would like to tell you about the murder of Tony Hawkins. Crime Stoppers is offering a $1,000 reward. And San Diego County Crime Stoppers, along with investigators from the San Diego Police Department Homicide Unit, are asking for the public's help in identifying and locating the suspect or suspects responsible for the murder of 36-year-old Tony Hawkins that occurred 13 years ago. On Monday, November 5, 2007, at approximately 5.51 p.m., Tony Hawkins was shot multiple times at the Exxon gas station, now known as Valero, located at 1025 Euclid Avenue in the Valencia Park area. Hawkins died as a result of his injuries. Any inquiries to this case should be directed to SDPD Homicide Unit, as well as any information or any tips that you might have you can go ahead and contact the San Diego Crime Stoppers and remember that any tip with Crime Stoppers is anonymous and nobody has to know that you're the one that could possibly bring justice to this family. 
If you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover, you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram on podcast True Crime Weekly. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcasts. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.